I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, welcome back to The Female Gaze. I'm Jessie Katz, sitting with a little sweet birthday baby. Barely. It's tomorrow. My birthday's tomorrow, But when guys. this posts, it will have already happened. Oh, yeah. So there's some time jumping for Hell you. Hell yeah. <laughs> Defying the space-time continuum, as always, on as The Female always. Gaze. I'm so stoked. I'm actually never always... I, well, that's a lie. I'm never excited for my birthday. Like, it's always something that like people are like... Like, even as a child? Yeah, never. Oh, I don't know about? why. And it's crazy, because my... Do I'm love attention I know you would think uh, you would think but I think it's weird when like it's all the focus is on me like everyone we're gonna go sure. do this lunch for me and you all have to do right. this for you me don't like get to I choose. feel so yeah and also I feel like I hate when people invite me to birthdays and it's like a million people at a table mm-hmm. and you don't like I don't know I'm just I don't want to do that to people sure so whatever um, so what are you doing well, I don't know. Uh, oh, there's apparently a surprise there's a in surprise store. in store. Exactly. So That's we'll see. Nice. I know for sure that. So my best friend is um, having having me over for brunch Saturday, and then tomorrow. Um, I was going to say her name. I guess I could if I wanted to. Who? Alicia, <laughs> my lady. You're outing your girlfriend. <laughs> I outed my girlfriend. Yeah, um, but that she's planning something for tomorrow. So who knows? Nice. We'll do you have any resolutions for this next year of your life? Do you do that for birthdays? I don't, but I think this year, because I'm like approaching my 30s, I really. <laughs> uh-huh. Jesse's like, in, I in, roll. In the distant horizon. In the distant horizon, but I really do need to be more financially savvy. Mm, that's like, a good one. I need to start saving and I need to start like thinking about the fact that I'm an adult and that I need to start having some fucking money. I can't be living paycheck to paycheck. Right. So that would be my that's resolution. Good. That's solid. Yeah. I um I've adopted this new mantra recently that I want to recommend to everybody. Give it to me. So, uh, um, like during Passover, the Jewish tradition of Passover, you traditionally sing this song during the Passover seder, which is called Dayenu. And die, Dayenu. Wow, yeah. such a good Jew. Mm-hmm. Who knew? My best friend, um, her husband's Jewish, so and they've been together for a million years. And every Hanukkah, I know the whole Baruch Atah Adonai Elchenu Melachlem. I can do the whole thing. You're a good yeah, friend. Been to Passover. Good I know about opening the door to Elijah. Wow. Yeah. You remember you remember these things better than I do, I yeah. think. So go but, ahead. Okay, saying? so Dayenu means it would have been enough, basically. And so you sing the song at Passover because you're going through all the things that God did for the Jewish people. Like mm. he led us out of Egypt. He did the like the ten plagues yeah. on the Pharaoh, blah, blah, blah. So you're listing all these things he did, and at the end you say, Dayenu, it would have been enough if he had only done this one thing. And he, but he also did this and that and that. And if he had only done that, it would have been enough. But then he also did this. That would have been enough. But then he also did that. Okay. So lately, huh. I've heard a couple of people in casual conversation use the word Dayenu, which I fucking love. Are they Jewish? Um, I don't. I think uh, half and half. I've heard it come up on a few podcasts lately. Contexts are totally non-religious. Sometimes yeah. people are talking about Trump and it's like, if it, you know, if we could have proven tax fraud, that would have been enough. 
and collusion would have been enough. Da, da, da. Like Diane knew any one of a million things Trump has done would have huh. been enough to to like end most presidencies. So I've been thinking a lot about this word and how I kind of carry around this guilt with me every day that I'm never doing enough things. I'm never accomplishing enough. And you that mean for yourself? For myself, or like-, like, like every day at the end of the day, I haven't fixed all of my problems and yeah. I haven't gotten better at everything I want to be better at. Mm. And I need to start letting go of that. Yeah. And I need to start feeling like if I did one thing well each day, Dainu. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like if I meditated, Dainu. If I had a good day at my job, Dayanu. Yeah. If I wrote two pages of something that I'm writing, Dayanu. Yeah. Like just one small thing is enough. Yeah. Because if I put together 365 days, you're going to doing one your... thing well. Yeah. No, then oh, that's. Oh, sorry. I was going to say the opposite. Absolutely. But I was going to say if you continue putting a million things on your agenda one day, you're only going to disappoint yourself. Yeah. And then you get paralyzed yeah. at the insurmountability of doing a million things well every day. Exactly. So one thing a day, yeah. Dianu. Dianu. And some days, no things. And that's fine too. Yeah. And I was just thinking, like, I don't have any things ever. I'm just, I just wake up, do my thing go to sleep but maybe yeah. I should do the well, opposite and you know I mean look set I, I'm, an not intention. A, I'm not really a list person mm. this is not like I, I don't have a mood board in my yeah. apartment that I'm checking yeah, myself yeah, yeah. on it's just this general feeling of I always want to be better at everything mm. and constantly feeling like I'm failing is that, at that the only the only child syndrome maybe maybe uh, I don't know. I just yeah. want to like set an intention, you know, like for me, I just want to have a happy day. Mm-hmm. Like that's always my intention. Like, let's just be happy. That's, yeah. Smile at someone on the street. God, you that's know? another thing. I was just talking to my therapist about that. I was like, I'm I'm uh, petrified at the thought that I might discover something makes me happy. That wasn't what I thought would make me happy. Yeah. So like I thought my whole life I needed to be a successful writer yes. to be happy. And I was like, I'm terrified at the thought at the thought that I might wake up tomorrow and realize if I have a job that I love and I'm in a relationship that makes me happy, that's enough. Yeah. And what does that mean? Because then I'll have to let go of this identity this that I was dream. clinging to my whole life that yeah. like the purpose of my life is X. Yeah. And then finding out that it might actually be Y. Yeah. Is scary. scary. It was but terrifying. also fine because who gives a shit? Because the entire point of anything in this blip of a millisecond that we're yeah. on the earth is to be happy, right? And to yeah. not fuck with other people's happiness. Right. So if I discover that just eating oranges every day makes me happy and then I should just do that till I die. Yeah. <laughs> and I think even going back to what you were just saying is you don't want to disappoint yourself and you don't yeah. want to um, fail or not be better at the thing. So in the back of your head, maybe your subconscious is like you didn't you weren't this like Steven Spielberg. Therefore, you're a disappointment. Right. When in reality, you're like you have great friends. Right. You know, <laughs> right. You're, you have a great apartment. And you maybe if I did become the Spielberg, I would be alone and isolated and only have my work and still be unhappy I mean this is the whole thing about why I used to live in LA and at a certain point I was like I don't want to live here anymore because I see the people who have the thing that I moved here for and I can tell if I have what they have I'm not going to be happy this is actually not what I want so I need to go back to New York where I feel more grounded and connected to other human beings and actually just find my own happiness and maybe I don't know what that looks like yet 
people forget to find their own happy. You get yeah. stuck in this bubble, especially in New York, because mm-hmm. it's a fucking rat race and everyone's head is down. You just forget. Yeah. You know, and like you don't have time to think. Am yeah. I happy? Am I happy? so fucking busy? All exactly. Time. You have fucking deadlines. Right. You have to eat. Like yeah. it's just, it's tough. But I think that's really it, people forget to celebrate the little wins in yeah, life. Totally. And we take life way too seriously yeah well I think having a birthday is a win yes <laughs> as I always say about getting older it beats the alternative exactly so every day that you spend alive on this earth is a victory motherfucking Dianu so happy birthday to you Micey thank you cats all right we have a great episode for you today in studio with us is Karen Coleman Karen is the director of programming and special projects at Nighthawk Cinema which is um, two movie theaters right now that are in New York City, one in Man- or no, they're both in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. I think of Williamsburg as being Manhattan because basically it's the is. other part of Brooklyn it for basically me. Basically, is yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, one in Williamsburg and one that just opened in my hood in Park Slope. Um, and Karen is also the founder of the Future of Film is Female project, which raises money to fund short films made by women filmmakers. And it's also now a screening series at the Museum of Modern Art. I attended one of those screenings, which is where I discovered Karen, and now she is here with us in studio to explain how to be a programmer who programs gender parity and also to try to convince me that it's a good idea to serve food in movie theaters. (laughs) Karen, welcome to The Female Gaze. Thank you for coming in. Hey, Karen. (laughs) Thank you for having me. We understand you've had quite a journey to get here. Yes, Brooklyn to Manhattan. Yeah. (laughs) Sucks. Sucks. And the G is trash. So you have the fine privilege that not many New Yorkers have of working in the borough in which you live and within yes. walking distance. Yes. So that is the dream. Yes. Your job in and of itself sounds like a dream to me. And your life is also a dream. So let us just bask <laughs> in your dreaminess here. <laughs> I, I love this fictional story we're telling. Yes, great. setting the bar high for you <laughs> and your life. Um, okay, so before we get into all the things about what you do professionally, Let's play a little game so we can learn what's on your mind these days. Yeah. And that game is called Float Your Boat. Toot toot. Be in your bonnet. Buzz buzz. Bitch. Oh, were you not going <laughs> to say bitch today? You gave me a look, so you're I was editing like, bitch, question mark. because you're about to have a birthday and you feel like you're I growing feel like up I too need much to, to stop say cussing. buzz buzz bitch. No, I'll always say bitch. Buzz okay. buzz bitch. Don't ever change. Never change. Never change. <laughs> Um, okay, Alana, would you like to start us off this week? Yeah. Okay, What's your so boat, baby? my boat this week is um this this past weekend I was asked to participate in a photo shoot that um with an incredible photographer. Her name is Lex Barbario. And um she is doing she has an exhibition that's uh, opening in a gallery in Chelsea in June, and her vision is to um, take or she's doing it right now. Take multiple photos of the same person as uh, across the gender spectrum. Mm-hmm. So as a femi woman, as an androgynous individual, and then as a um, masculine person. Were the so, genders of the models also across the spectrum? Yes. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So I had to take a shot, like put a wig on. I felt like a porn star. I felt so unnatural with a wig, which is crazy. How did this person find you, by the way? Instagram. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Because Alana not only has a voice for radio, but a face for photo shoots. I hate you. It's a rare you combo. Do. No, that was, that was, um, <laughs> it put me very much outside of my comfort zone, but it was awesome because I got to meet so many great people. And I also got to wear a beard, which was pretty cool. They had like actual special effects makeup. So I had a chunky ass beard and they yeah, gave you me sent eyebrows. Me some shots. Yeah. It looked very realistic. Yeah. And I actually thought you looked great with a beard. Thank you. It was I a good I appreciate look. that. I felt like I was in love with meth. Like, 
like that was the look that I was going for. <laughs> but um, yeah. I'm going to post it It was it a little today. bit of a spotty beard. Yeah. Like maybe not the healthiest <laughs> yeah. body is But a lot of here. the more like androgynous looking women that were there looked amazing. Um, my girlfriend looked like Jared Leto. I was like, I'm sorry, you're yeah. cool. You I mean, look she looks like, like that normally. Yeah, she does. Yeah. But like, what? Did she have that great hair? She did in the sh- in the photo. Cause, like, I mean, she has, has amazing hair. But He has the best hair. Yeah. That's the thing. Wait, what That's hair the did they th- give? Thing I could say. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Great hair. What hair did they give her to look like a Jared? Dude? Yeah. Um. So she had, you know, she has um really long hair, but it's a mohawk, so she has the sides of her hair shaved. Mm-hmm. So they did like um a pin. What's that? That curl? Like they gelled it, but it was like a pin like curl. Oh. Yeah, it was like the old school. It oh. looked like Johnny Depp and Crybaby. <laughs> Awesome. Um, and it was like slicked back so you couldn't see how long her hair was. Okay. Um, it looked rad. It looked great. And then they gave her a mustache and I was like, okay, you're a hot man now. Yeah. So what was what's the point of the photo shoot and where are these photos going? So like what was the mission behind it? I think for her it was just to like break gender stereotypes and show people that there's a range of, of you know, that there's a spectrum and that we mm-hmm. all fit into that spectrum, right. you know, at one one way it or another. Yeah, us, exactly. Yeah. So um I will post the details about where it's gonna be in June when I know. Cool. Um but she has a really sick it's like gonna be holographic too. So when you walk by it, it's gonna you'll be able to see the face change. Oh, that's amazing. It's gonna be amazing. Yeah. And I don't wanna speak for her because she knows everything about her project, so I'll post all of the information about it but it was really awesome okay and that's my boat love it toot 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 baby Hell yeah. karen well my, my boat is not that exciting let's <laughs> so, hear but i so i've been sick the past week so my excitement has been relegated to like twitter and things like that yes. uh, but i got really nervous because like george miller was sort of trending on twitter and i was like please don't let him be dead right you know oh, you know it's like yeah. you see so that and you're like what's moment. happened yeah um, but it was basically just like Ava DuVernay and, and like some 2017 article of Steven Soderbergh talking about like in praise of Mad Max Fury Road, which is like, oh. that's my thorn is that it was not, did not win the Oscar. But, oh. um, Steven Soderbergh basically being like, I don't know how they're not still shooting this movie and mm-hmm. how, um, hundreds of people aren't dead making this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and I because really, he's so impressed. Because he's so impressed. I mean, when you think about like George Miller's like a near 80 year old man in the desert for years making this, you know, super feminist film yeah. um, with like Cirque du Soleil performers and not a lot of CGI. It, yeah. It's it's in this, it's an incredible achievement. OK, so let me admit something. Yeah. I have never seen that movie because on its surface, it is the kind of movie that I would hate and that mm. I never go to see mm-hmm. and I missed the boat and then I felt like I should have seen it in the theater. Yeah. I don't know if yeah. it's going to do it justice to watch it on a small screen. Yeah. And now I feel like I really fucked up because it is supposedly a very feminist film. Well, I wish, too late. I wish we'd had this conversation two weeks ago because we just, just played it, it on 35mm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> missed my chance again. Darn. The life of missed chances. I, I guarantee know. you will play it again. And okay, I good. like we'll to play there. it once a year. Okay, cool. Yeah. Send me the invite, please. <laughs> I will. Okay. Don't miss it again. Yeah. Um, okay, that's a good one. Um, mine, okay, so I, <laughs> I watch too much TV now, so I've been scraping the bottom of the barrel for new shit. So I started watching this random Australian show that's on Netflix now called Secret City. 
Uh, it's with Anna Torv. I don't know if you're familiar with Mm-mm. her, but um, it's like a it's a political thriller set in Australia, and she is a journalist who is uncovering uh, political conspiracies between the Australian government and China. Um, so it's it's a good thriller. But I discovered this really nice thing about it, which is that there is a very well written trans character in the show, mm. and the way that they treat it is amazing. So this person is actually. Um, the ex-husband of Anna Torv's character uh, oh. when they were married, <clears throat> the, that character identified as a man and then after they divorced, transitioned and is now a woman. And they never really address that part of it. They kind mm-hmm. of introduce this character with no commentary on them being trans. And then you understand that these two were married but huh. but that is never presented as the reason why they divorced yeah. either. And they since have like become very close as friends. And um and and this character, the trans woman, has other relationships and is it was just really magnificently handled in a show that feels kind of gender politically neutral mm. otherwise is not that kind of show. Right. But they just wrote this character into it, and it was awesome. That's awesome. I feel yeah. like we were also just talking about this. Yes. You know what I mean? So it's, it's right. cool. Right. So now it, my, I think yeah. my radar is kind of on exactly. for like good trans representation. Yeah. And I act, yeah. I literally just thought about this the other day because I was watching Grey's Anatomy. I don't know if you guys watch Grey's Anatomy. Um, no, not oh my for God. like 15 years <laughs> well, now. But don't um. if, you're, <laughs> if you're emotional because I cry every single episode. That's what it's designed to I do. I know, and I, I'm, I torture myself with it. But I was just thinking, and I totally didn't even think about this because he is so well written um he's not a main character he's not anyone who like has a huge thing but he um is a trans doctor and he's a male and um i think they introduced in the beginning but it was never anything that was like oh and that's the trans guy or he just transitioned he like casually brought it up because he was in the army or something Mm-hmm. And um, he's just he lives. That's his character. Yeah. Everyone's chilling. He interacts with people, but no one's ever like, oh, let's bring the trans doctor or, you know, it's right, never right, like right. a sob story about him. He's literally another doctor. Totally. And I didn't even think about that I could, because he's just right. He's normal. Yeah. Like everyone else. There is one really nice moment in the show. When, so spoiler, but nobody cares. So Anna Torv's <laughs> character has sex with a man who all who was having sex with her ex and says to this guy after they sleep together, mm-hmm. oh, so you are into women because because this guy was sleeping with her trans ex. And right. so she assumed that he must be into men, really, if he was having sex with a trans woman. Anyway, huh. and he goes, well, Kim was a woman, like affirming, like, oh. yeah, like being with a trans woman You're was because I was woman. into women. Yeah. Exactly. It wasn't like a dude dressing up right. and I wanted to like fuck a dude. And right. that, it's like I'm yeah. attracted to women, trans women, cis women. Yeah. Any woman. It was a very subtle moment. It was like two lines of dialogue and then they moved on again with the I rest of like the I show. I feel like I need to watch this. It was cool. I see your brain ticking. I'm into it. Yeah. Secret City. That's my boat. Yeah. All right. Bees. Ugh. Alana. Um, okay. I... <sighs> So I read one article yesterday. I read an article on CNN and it pissed me I'm off. I'm very proud of you. Oh my God, thank articles. you so much. I know I'm reading articles. Jesse forces me to read because, you know. It's hard to read articles on CNN, It though. is. They're, they're like 
There was a so an airline this is from London it's called apparently Thomas Cook Airlines is an airline that exists does anyone know about that well it does nope. and hello no. Thomas Cook exists um, so basically it was a the airline had to apologize for this 21 year old woman because they told her that she couldn't board the aircraft if she didn't cover up cover, cover up, up so her herself so apparently she was in a crop top and high-waisted jeans which is like the luke these days <laughs> uh-huh. and she was like i had no problems in the airport because why it's literally a crop top and high-waisted right. jeans but as she was boarding the the flight attendants were like sorry if you don't cover up we really can't bring you on it's a disruption to the rest of the crew and the um the people on board but like wow. what where was this what country is this london it came from cnn london i believe huh. it was london i might be misspeaking um i guess i could see that being a british thing <laughs> yeah but like, sh- madam we're very modest um, on this airline hello i'm sorry i'm sorry yeah right exactly I'm sorry. 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 a lot of manners <laughs> happening too much midriff that's crazy <laughs> isn't that weird 2019. 2019, you telling her to Shocking. cover up. And she was like, That's honestly, weird. like, I would kind of understand if I was like full lingerie. Yeah. But it was a crop top. It's bizarre. So that okay. pissed me off. Well, so I'm that glad they apologized. Being, well, they have to. <laughs> I know. You know what I mean? They're <laughs> not going to be like, no, we, exactly, public image. Yeah. So that pissed me off. But, mm. you know, but yeah. it's weird. All right, can you can you do yours? I okay, I don't you, I don't know what can to you say. Do, we might all be agreeing on what you're. Yeah, gonna, I think what you're gonna, Aunt Becky. I'm just gonna. Yeah. Okay, I would like to talk about. Let's this talk too. about. Yeah, that's a well. Big, okay, because otherwise I'm just gonna circle Trump. Yeah. And then that's gonna be well, sure. So the potential will be. It'll just yeah. be like a rabbit hole. Of <laughs> exactly. That, so. He's yeah. Fucking. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Orange bee. So this story is my boat because I can't get enough, but my bee yeah. because the people that it involves are fucking bees, bees of this earth. So the college acceptance entrance whatever application scam. That was just uncovered, busted this week. So over 750 families were discovered to have cheated the system through bribery to get their kids into, quote unquote, prestigious colleges like USC, Harvard, yeah, Ivy's. Mm -hmm. Um, And two of the most famous families who were busted for this. I shouldn't even say families because apparently it was just the mothers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. So it was Lori Laughlin, otherwise known as Aunt Becky from Full House, and Felicity Huffman Mm -hmm. from Desperate Housewives. Right. And other things since then. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I mean, Lori Laughlin paid what? It was like $500,000. To get her daughters into USC. I just don't understand because first of all, what why do you why do you need that? Did Fuller House <laughs> okay. yeah. did the second season of and Fuller House? I guess, so just to finish explaining, <laughs> so I guess primarily they did this through two ways. One was paying SATs. to have SAT scores fixed, and the other was um like paying off people to say that these students were athletes, athletes and being accepted into the colleges so that they could play sports that they don't actually play. Like that stuff's crazy. They just like Photoshop <laughs> yeah. someone's yes. face on an athlete's body. Exactly. And that's Nuts. the problem with yes. like the rich getting richer and those who are actually like on the come up trying who had the potential to be athletes in an Ivy don't get those spots. But to your point, the thing about this story to me is why? This why? is so crazy. Like you are so privileged. Your kids will be fine. Exactly. I don't, is USC Image. that hard to get into? Maybe it is. Well, They'll go somewhere else. That's my question because they keep talking about USC and it's, you know, I, I yeah. guess I can understand like Yale or Harvard. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like but like I mean, usually people funnel their money in other ways like donations. Yeah. Right. Like yes. But USC is like... 
you yeah. will see. Apparently, a, a lot of like program, ho- exactly. You know? Apparently, a lot of Hollywood parents send their kids there, yeah. so it might be like an image thing. Like, oh, sorry, Aunt Becky, your daughter didn't get in. Right. Ooh. My Trojan. friend was like, yeah. rich yeah. LA kids want to go to USC because they still want to be able to mostly live in their parents' gigantic house, but they yeah. want to like feel cool and also have a dorm where they can stop by. Yeah. You know, and the yeah. whole like cover up for this you know criminal enterprise that he was creating was um, a charity for disadvantaged youth. <laughs> right. So the quote donation. So I was like, up. what? do you mean it's the complete opposite and then he exposed himself to get a a smaller sentence but like bro you're still going to be in jail for a million years right yeah there's two things that bug me about it Uh and one is the fact that there's like 50 people who have been you know indicted already Mm -hmm. or uh, and we're concentrating on like the two actresses right and you know there's other people who are like head of like ceos of corporations Mm -hmm. like those are the real scary people that i don't like who who are they yeah. and that have this mentality that they can just manipulate the system. Right. That weirds me out. But then, you know, I have a four-year-old son and all of this kind of stuff, just I have no interest in it at all. Like people freak out about kindergarten right. and preschool. And it's like, yeah, and what he the just fuck? needs to go to school. So you right. don't freak out about it? I, I don't. I get freaked out because like so many parents talk about it right. all the time. Yeah. And it's like. So are you of the mindset of. Like, wherever he goes, we'll be fine. The public schools are good enough. Well, I'm lucky to be in a good public school okay. district. Didn't know that I was when yeah. I moved there. I was <laughs> like a happy accident. Um, but, you know, I mean, I grew up in, like, South Florida. Uh-huh. It's not, you know, the mecca of intellectual engagement. <laughs> and educational standards. Yeah, and I feel like... You know, I did fine. Uh-huh. My parents yeah. stimulated me. Sure, you know? totally. Um, but yeah, I just feel like it's good to be a part of the community that you're in. Mm-hmm. And why are you stressing out about kindergarten? It's kindergarten. <laughs> it's kindergarten. So that it weirds me out. And then I'm like, is this what I have to look forward to if I live in one of the major cities? Is I have to figure out like? I mean, yeah. yeah. I think people stress about kindergarten because it, it, you're working backwards, right? Yeah. It's like to get into this college, you have to go to this high school to go to that high school, you know, and on and on and yeah. on, back to like choosing your prenatal yeah. doctor. I don't know. So yes. I, I, I've been having like this huge dilemma with the with colleges in general because it's like I went to Syracuse University which is like I think 50 grand a semester I had to take out mad loans and I went a semester or a year a year maybe I just remember it being really expensive per semester Mm -hmm. but um and I was like super hyper focused on broadcast and digital journalism. I didn't fucking do anything with that. You know what well, I mean? Your like, podcasting. So okay, well, <laughs> I checked your degrees you before. But I feel like people <laughs> focus so hard. Like your kid is going to be talented in whatever they were destined to be talented in. Yeah. Doesn't matter what fucking school they go to. No, I agree. If they're good people with good skills that are doing something that they love, who gives a fuck about the fact where they went to USC? I don't know about you guys, but interviewing. No, totally. I'm. <laughs> no, I I've care. never had anybody say, "Oh, I mean, yeah. maybe with my grad, my like graduate degree." But yeah. they just go, "What'd you do?" I d- this is what I got it in. They're like, "Okay, cool. What have you done?" Right, exactly. And this idea that like you're going to be 22, 23 years old, getting out of a four year USC, and you're going to have a career is like crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and why don't these parents understand that? They do understand it. They're they're they've been through life. They yeah, went yes. through college, so they should understand this isn't that fucking important. Exactly. No. Is this just a status thing? To say that I think kids so. Probably. go to those schools? I think so. And also, I think it goes back to, like, you know, our fathers, fathers, mothers, mothers, who you have to go to college to get a job. 
period. And right. I think now the space is so diverse. I don't mm-hmm. necessarily know if you need to go to college. And if you want to, like, does it have to be at 18 when you don't know what you're doing? No. Can we wait a little bit? Yeah. You know, it's, it's experience, really. I know. I wish yeah. I had a gap year. Me too. I'm very jealous of kids who did that. Me too. I actually went to college a year early, so instead oh, of oh, I, I hated high school. Grew up Fair. in South Florida, uh-huh. mm-hmm. so um, I had an opportunity to go to community college my senior year, cool. okay. and so I was done with my undergraduate when I was like 21. Damn, and in no way ready. Yeah. yeah. For <laughs> not like, did a, you go to school for what you're doing now, or I mean. Sort of. Mm-hmm. I got an. I don't English, even know what that would mean. I got an. No, I mean, right. I, I, I didn't. I never. I've never gone to film school, but right. I, it was an English degree, yeah. so it was Same. you know yeah. more in terms like writing, which is obviously something mm-hmm. that's a good foundation to have for Absolutely. any sort of Anything. creative endeavor. Um, secondary education. I am not a teacher, so there's that. Right. And right. then our history. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I'm teaching him to be a, a good person. Yeah, yeah, yeah so that's yeah. my biggest job. Yeah. <laughs> a good ally. Yeah, and right. then it was like 10 years before I went to graduate school, which right. was way more yeah. my speed and independent study, which I thrive in. I did horrible on my SATs and Me ACTs. too. Like, the standardized test is... And yeah. that's that's why it's garbage, and that determines what gets you into a college. I'm not. I can't. I'm not yeah. good at standardized tests. Me either. But I'm smart. Yeah, and I had good grades. Mm-hmm. And then, but it's like, I would rather you cheat because you're a woman of color, and you would. If anyone needs help, you would have needed help to get into. A, like, get me so off that island. Fuck these rich white <laughs> kids. They'll be fine. I know. And here we are. Okay. Um, so that was our B. We had a mutual. I guess I, I like that B. Yeah, yeah, that was a yeah, good B. The B. I mean, R.I.P. Aunt Becky. I don't know. The funniest <laughs> to me is like William H Macy. Apparently, sitting in the courtroom watching Felicity yesterday. It's just like it's so cinematic. I know. How did he not know? I know. That's, well, I don't listen. Celebrity couples are often like businesses that run parallel to each other and I don't know how involved they are in each other's lives. It's true. I mean, definitely can't understand like the moms being more involved in this stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But (laughs) I know not to that extent. It's crazy. Exactly. I wish I could have been a fly on the wall of the airport watching Aunt Becky be arrested. Oh my God. Was she arrested in the airport? I think so. She was flying back from Canada. Actually, I don't know if the arrest happened. (laughs) I know that she was flying back to LAX preparing to be arrested. Her lawyer was trying to work it out so that he could have time with her before they made the arrest. And I don't have the update, guys. I'm sorry. Google it. Um, (laughs) Google it. Google it. It's just schadenfreude, which is like a petty thing, but it's kind of fun. Yeah. Anyway. It's like Paul Manafort and Aunt Becky. Yeah. Ooh. Come on. Sharing a cell. Exactly. <laughs> There's a TV series someone should write. The new orange is the new black. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Karen, what's your B besides that? That that will that's be. That's the B. That that's works. a B. Okay. Yeah. What will be will be. I try good one. really, okay. really, thought it was good, uh, really, really hard not to get too worked up on negative stuff. Okay. Um, How's that working out for you? I think it, you know, it, it works out okay. Okay. Uh, I have periodic outbursts, but... That's you know, probably healthy. This is gonna be like my like um Oprah statement of the day. Yes, but like a couple years ago, I guess it was like two years ago or last year, um, like Ava DuVernay was had this article about like pivoting to positivity. Mm. And it sounds so silly, but I see so much of like the conversations being like complaining and you know, especially around like women in film mm-hmm. and just complaining mm. to like the ether. Mm. And sometimes it's like, let's just focus that energy into just doing. Yes. While we are, you know, 
criticizing yeah. constructively. So right. I try and just go like, bah! yeah, and then I like, <laughs> I would love that. You I should like just it. do that. Okay. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Okay, well... <laughs> Let's yeah. talk about then <laughs> you the things that you're putting into action because you are not Me. all talk. You are doing important shit. So first of all, uh, let me say, well, you went to Nighthawk recently. I did. Correct? I went to watch Greta mm-hmm. a did couple you, weeks were you ago. In Williamsburg or Prospect Park? I was Park? in Prospect Park. Yes. I the love new the location. Location. Yeah. It was amazing. And, and, I, and I went last Sunday to see Buffy. The movie. <gasps> so you went to Prospect. Yeah, that yes. was that was planned before Luke, Luke passed, passed away, mm. and we. D- <laughs> I shouldn't say this. Say oh, it. Uh, <laughs> we have a wonderful communications manager who handles our socials, and uh-huh. uh, his name's Conrad. Ed. Uh, hey, he was doing <laughs> the research on Buffy, and it turns out like Christy Swanson's like a crazy MAGA head. What? No way. Yes. <gasps> and I Don't was tell like, me. I know. <laughs> Damn! I'm sorry, Wait, you no. lost another. Yes, oh, and like, and I was like, shit. "What?" Because we no. have this whole series, um, kind of stemming around Captain Marvel about like women, like action comic book and sci-fi heroes. Yes. So that's our March programming. And uh, I was like, "Well, this is bad." And then, I, and then when Luke Perry died, I'm like, "Oh, and people won't be too mad that." <laughs> yeah, there you <laughs> I go. Got sad. Else to focus me. On. Yeah. I mean, what was crazy? So. I was the most obsessed Luke Perry fan in the entire universe when I was a kid, which is why Buffy was so important to me. I yeah. watched it a million times. It's also why I refused to ever watch the TV show, show. version of You've Buffy. You've never watched the TV show? No, I because did. Luke was yeah. not in it. And so I boycotted it from the very uh, beginning. And I was... now I just feel like it's too late. But um, but what I took away from seeing the movie this past weekend was, oh, I totally forgot. This is, it feels like a very feminist film. Yes. And she's very good in it. Yes. And the evolution of her character in that movie is all about going from being this cookie cutter, vapid Southern California girl to like getting in touch with her true self, which is like a, a down and dirty ass kicker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that what Luke Perry has that amazing line to her where he's like, you're the guy, Buffy, or something like that, right? Yeah. Like, like you're not waiting for a yeah. savior. You are the savior. Yeah. You're the guy. Yeah. yeah. And it was like, fuck, this movie is great. <laughs> you it know? Is. Best death scene by Paul Rubens. Paul Rubens, yes. Ever. Yes. He milks it for like five minutes. <laughs> so great. Um, well, so I'm, I'm glad you've both been to, to yeah. night home. But oh wait, God, so, yeah. so Buffy is part of a series that you're doing now, yes. right? So and please explain to me the other movies in the series and how you chose Buffy to be part of it. Sure. Um, so Buffy we, is originally, so we're playing in Williamsburg next weekend. Okay. And um, we started doing rep and special programming at Prospect Park a bit earlier than we thought. So we're mm. trying to like integrate sort of some of the stuff we're doing in Williamsburg and Prospect Park and back and forth because mm-hmm. we're obviously not showing Captain Marvel in Williamsburg. So we were like, Buffy's great. It's directed by a woman, you know, and then Luke Perry passed away. And so we were like, well, this is a good little we did. Yeah, did you see the tribute. little like R.I.P. R. 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 slide? Yes. Yeah. 
Um, it's fine. I cried. I wore my Luke Perry nightgown to the screening <laughs> yes, that I bought did. when I was nine oh years God, old. I, oh so it's God, a crop top. I love yeah. Well, also get kicked I, out. To be yeah. Kicked it's out. like sorry. <laughs> At some point, I cut it so it would be a t-shirt, and now it's like super short. <laughs> it's fine. Perfect. <laughs> anyway, we and I cried at the end. Of the, I cried a lot. Um. So thank you again for screening it. Okay, go on. <laughs> you can see it again. Yeah. yeah. I'll get you tickets. I might. I might. Um. So this series, one of my colleagues, Chris King, uh, a, a man, a white man. Oh. Yes. Mm, controversial. I work with a lot of them. Uh. He he's been wanting to do a series like this, and so we worked together on it, kind of working out any sort of problem that we you know like could have and yeah. trying to narrow it down because you know you can talk about women action heroes across the spectrum mm-hmm. so like how do we want to be this have it be more focused around the captain marvel theme in, a, in an area where there's not a lot of mm. strong women characters yeah. that we want to have included in that so right. um we started off with foxy brown which is sort of like not related no. but it's Pam Greer yeah. right. um, we showed universe. Mad Max Fury Road uh-huh. um, we are showing this now this is when I blank on like everything wait I thought for some reason uh, one of the films in the series was Cleo from 5 to 7 that is a new series that we're doing at Night, uh, Nighthawk Prospect Park called like Historic oh, um, okay, okay. so um, so yeah so that's part of our general like women's month there, got it which is such a weird thing for me to say because we pro- I program films directed by women all mm. the time right um but it's exciting because we have a little bit of a different audience there so mm-hmm. we can show classic films and there's like a, a fan base and, a, and like a desire by different, for that. do you mean older yeah, yeah there's an there's an older crowd i think they're looking for like older classic films and mm, i think that yeah. people in general there are also looking for like a you know, a, a bit more of the art house edge yeah. right. to it. Yeah. So for that, yeah, we're showing that there and then Buffy the Vampire Slayer and then um, myself and Sam Zimmerman, who's a curator at Shudder. Mm. Um, we do a lot of midnight horror programming together. Okay. And like, we often find ourselves sitting at a bar at like 1am like, why are we here? Why do we do midnight programming? Like, we're yeah. old enough now. Of course, he's like 30, so he's not that old. <laughs> but like, we should be doing these at like 8 o'clock. Yeah. So we came up with this idea for midnight movies at a reasonable hour. Okay. Um, nice. <laughs> I can't do a midnight screening. I will fall the fuck asleep Me every too. time. I mean, I used to do them. And then now I'm like, why? Yeah. I can't. <laughs> we need to be civilized. Yes. So we started that last month with Candyman. Oh. And I'm super excited for Nia DaCosta's remake. Um, she's the director of Little Woods that's coming out next month with Tessa Thompson. Mm so amazing mm-hmm. um and i just kind of love the new the old candy man it's problematic but it's also like not problematic yeah. it's very complicated well, it isn't problematic he's very sexy <laughs> <laughs> okay uh, there's a hot okay. take <laughs> yeah and then um so um we're doing for this month i can't believe it's still march we're doing a yeah. bloodbath which was a roger corman produced film that's directed by stephanie rothman and jack hill so it's it's vampires. Okay. Yeah. Love cool. That. So um, Prospect Park, you know, we're also showing Cat Video Fest. So it's kind of we're just like trying to hit all the the the, the base there. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And Williamsburg is a little bit more, right? You know, because yeah. the do sound a lot. of hipsters coming to the theater. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Oh, hey, you are queen of sound effects. <laughs> 
<laughs> that, that was great. I love that. I'm trying not to just nod. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. it is a podcast. That's true. I know. I know. So no it's sound of my hands. Of gestures. Yeah. <laughs> um, sound of hipsters. Karen, how does one become a film programmer? How the hell did you fall into this? I don't Because re- it sounds like an awesome job. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> so my background. How can I do uh, it? No. How did you do it? I My background's in contemporary art. Okay. So cool. um, when I graduated from film college adjacent. and didn't know what I was doing, yeah. I moved to Chicago and I started working at the MCA, the Museum of Contemporary Art there. Wow. And in the front desk, it wasn't very exciting. Wow, <laughs> foot in the door though. But it was cool because you know one of the women that I sat at the front desk with, she was a curator there for like twenty years, mm. and now is the director of a college museum. So, um, I opened up my own project space there. Um, so, eventually moved to LA, did the gallery stuff there, and um, while I was in Los Angeles, obviously that's a place where movies are a huge part of everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have television for like five years, so I would just watch movies. I would go to this great video store and like get like two or three movies and just watch them and watch them and watch them. And I've loved horror films for so long. And um, eventually I was like, I just don't want these my conversations about art to be like, where did this artist go to school? Mm-hmm. Whose collections are they in? And mm-hmm. it's about money. And everything was such a fast turnaround. And I loved working with artists. So anyway, I went to grad school in London. I went to Goldsmiths and um, did a two-year MFA curatorial curatorial program. Wow. And like I said before, it was structured very independently. And I just immediately started thinking about like moving images, the relationship between art and film, horror and art. And it just sort of kind of came to be of more of my interest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we moved to New York. My husband got a job here and um, we're like, hey, they're going to pay for us to move here. I can't imagine any other way to be in New York as an adult. <laughs> totally. <laughs> like, yeah, totally. Like, I'm like, I don't want to. Without opening time. Because I never wanted cards. to live in oh, New yeah. York. So I was just like, all right, well, let's do this. Yeah. yeah. And um, I met our former beverage manager at Union Pool one night. And Jed Marshall, do you know her? Everybody seems no. to know her. Uh, oh, and I feel very uncool now. Oh we have to meet her. Uh, We're going to Union Pool tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everyone's like, oh, I know Jed Marshall. It's like a, a running joke. Um, Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> this is everyone like, says this that is, Alana Rodriguez. Yeah, right. This sounds so boring. Um, and uh, she was like, oh, so how long have you lived here? I'm like, a couple months. I'm looking for the new like BFI, the mm. British Film Institute, where I, I spent many hours when I lived in London. She's like, oh, well, I work at this movie theater. Nighthawk and I was like what Yeah. and I was like how did I not know about this she's like we've been open for three weeks Oh. and wow. I was like oh so like the next week I went there and I met um, Matthew Vera who's the owner and John Woods who's now my colleague and I was like I want to do like this artist film series in the lobby mm-hmm. and you know when we first opened it wasn't super crowded so we like set up chairs in the lobby mm-hmm. and like, what does that mean an artist like, film series so in so basically artists who are making like short artist films oh so it was more screen them in the lobby yes so i'd have like a little art opening screening like there and then um i actually served there for a while because i wanted to work on like my own projects i didn't want to have a real job and were you good at the really low bending running thing i like i would say i got very fit Okay. Yeah, I bet. I mean, it's like, because you're up and down, up and down, uh-huh. and um, you're going up the stairs, down the stairs. Um, I'm, not a, I'm not a very good 
waitress. Okay. Uh, I think I did okay, but mm-hmm. I think. Sorry, <laughs> if anyone's confused. So, oh yes, Nighthawk <laughs> is one of those places where you can order full meals while you're watching your movie, and yes. the servers will run them to you, and they try to be low to the ground so they're not blocking the screen too much. Absolutely. And we actually changed the law in 2011 so you could have alcohol served in the I theater. Know. Right. Like a lot of beer drank yeah. right <laughs> And we played a sick game with our server where instead of writing our order, we did Pictionary. Oh no. So he probably hated. But I would just draw like a, a gold, like, because I love Golden <clears throat> Monkey Sour Beer. And um, so I would just draw like a gold bar and a monkey and he was like, what's up? And we knew. So I loved that. Well, you hate that. that aggravates me because my concern with these kinds of theaters yes. is that that can be a distraction yeah. if you're really into watching the movie. I mean, there are certain movies I'll go to or if someone is like unwrapping a candy from 10 rows away, mm. I will want to walk out because they are distracting me and I am yeah. taking that movie very seriously. So it yeah. has to be a certain kind of movie for me to tolerate the food and the yeah. serving and the yeah. thing. A lot of people don't give a shit, so I get it. Well, but I if am. you're like playing games with your server to <laughs> make them stand there longer i will destroy no, you no they don't stand and wait you write it and then you put it up yeah, on he's the trying to read tab. your hieroglyphics <laughs> Listen, first writing all, the name i'm of an your excellent beer. artiste but what i will say is i do get really aggravated by the candy stuff and the thing and the mm-hmm. thing yes. but this i didn't notice when the servers were going and, and maybe i was so into you get... he was incredible i wish i knew his name because i would shout him out oh i love to hear that because you know we're in prospect yeah. park it's new and we have a lot of people there who have not done this before yeah. i mean it you know, I'd like to imagine when you tell when people complain or get upset, it's like imagine you have a hundred people at a restaurant who all sit down at the same exactly. time, exactly, and all leave at the same exactly. Time. Like there's that is, and you can't talk to them yeah. for the most part. Sure. It's 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 tricky, but no, it's silent serving <laughs> for a hundred people at the same. Karen, you're here, so I'm here. you're a face Sorry. for me to vent yes. to for a second. <laughs> Do, so, it. Do it. So I mean. I understand that it's a fun thing for people to be able to go see Buffy and also yes. eat a three-course brunch. I did feel like I was living inside of a ketchup bottle because it smelled a lot like ketchup next to me, and that really? was a little bit distracting for me. And <laughs> it says on the screen before the movie starts, please let your server know if there's a disturbance. And my friend whispered to me, what if your server is the disturbance? Like, it's a bit of a conundrum. I know. Depending on your taste for what kind of environment you like to watch. I, totally. I get it. We have okay, gotten it out. Moving on. Thank Thank you for sharing at the table. <laughs> Kumbaya. I will say that some servers are more ninja-like than others. Totally. My server yeah. was a fucking rock star. Yeah. He was ninja. Yeah. And, and sometimes we hire like seven feet tall people. I'm like, why did we do <laughs> No. No. Yeah. But, uh, I think you should employ children. I think there should be a <laughs> well, two-foot tiny, maximum. Tiny, tiny children. That's kind of our yeah. plan because like a lot of us have kids like within the two to You're five-year-old like, I'm not worried about where I'm sending my son to school because Let he's him going loose. to work for me. <laughs> Let him loose. He does We're, not need to go to USC. He already has a job at Nighthawk. Nepotism exactly. within Nighthawk. Exactly. But it does give me a good sort of foundation because, you know, we're we're a cinema that also has a kitchen, yes. a front of house, and yeah. beverage. Yes. Right. So I have like a, a nice knowledge base of yeah. how things run there. Yeah. It's, okay, not, it's not like going to a regular movie theater where it's just on there. You know, sure, you have exactly. to, I have to make sure that, you know, Q&As are not disrupted and things mm. like that. Right. Um, so when did they decide to give this crazy feminist with an <laughs> art background the keys to the programming castle? Okay. <laughs> I started out in the office like as a coordinator like two days a week and then okay. three days a week and then four days a week oh and... God. 
then now it's like and then it was like seven days a week um and you know i mean and now you own nighthawk they were like can you go home and shower Sorry. at least yeah. this is a little much yeah we our our offices used to be in the apartments above williamsburg oh, really? oh, so we actually cool. did have a shower oh my god that's <laughs> like it's crazy. not a um and now we have real offices we've grown a lot oh, you know congrats. yeah we have a real office <laughs> legit business so cool. phone booths and everything it's yeah Ooh, fancy yeah. um and then how early into your tenure doing what you do now where you like I have an agenda and it's to push women and to deal with it. <laughs> well, it happened sort of organically. Um, in 2013, uh-huh. I had this idea to do a short film festival. It's like, why not? Yeah, mm-hmm. I can do this. Yeah. Um, and I will say, you know, my boss Matthew is. It's it's like you just do it. You know, mm, and, and and especially in the beginning, we were given a lot of opportunity to just experiment mm-hmm. and sort of test the boundaries of what we can do mm. and we have. Um, and I would say, you know, the relationships I've developed through the Nighthawk Shorts Festival have been amazing. I mean, it's it, 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 I think there's been one person out of like seven years where I'm like, Ugh. Mm, like yeah. and this is like hundreds of people. And a lot of those relationships have been with female directors and mm-hmm. producers. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we we opened the 2016 Nighthawk Shorts Festival the day after Trump won the election. Mm. Wow. And that was obviously a shift for a lot of people but you know I've had to do introductions to films before when something bad has happened and you just kind of the show must go on of course uh but the show I had to address it Mm -hmm. and I realized from that point forward that what we had to do was this festival had to be inclusive and you know I was thinking about what is my job as a programmer I don't make art but mm-hmm. I have the ability to provide access to it yeah and um and 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 from that you know we've almost always had gender parity in the short f- shorts festival especially in our midnight programming that I do with Sam Zimmerman I mean basically like anything he sees at a festival is directed by a woman which mm-hmm. is I, I joke that he's a bigger feminist than I am yeah um, so you guys are seeking out that parity I mean it, it now it's like a commitment okay yeah. um but before it was just happening yeah you know what we were interested in and like the vibe that we were sort of putting out and you know who was submitting work to Nighthawk but after that I was like we really have to make a conscious effort that people's stories are going to be heard Mm -hmm. and um you know that that whole week was a daze Mm -hmm. and I don't think I really dealt with the election until I was like sitting in my house on my day off like what the fuck yeah but like most trauma yeah (laughs) a little time to process it but it was really a community building experience you know filmmakers were like I came to this and I didn't know and now I feel better Mm -hmm. like watching these films and talking to people and just feeling like we can do something Mm -hmm. was really um important and so so that gave you some renewed purpose too in your job yeah yes um and you know but at the same time, in 2013, we programmed a women director's film series called She Made It, and no one gave a shit. Mm-hmm. Like, like, no the press one. or press didn't care. People, didn't come. Yeah. people came, um, you know, but it wasn't like a, it wasn't, yeah. you know, now someone would get like a trophy and a gold star. Totally. Exactly. <laughs> you know, like I, um, also in t- early 2014, we worked with the Film Foundation to show Barbara Loden's Wanda on a restored cool. print that they had. Cool. That was in 2014. Yeah. And then like last year, everyone's like, you know, Barbara Loden. And then I'm like, we did it. Yeah. You know, we were there. doing it. And, you know, I'm happy that she's getting that. That, But it's it's been something that we've kind of always 
done there. Like okay. I've done a Karen Black series. Like we have really, it just seems to be the case. But now mm-hmm. it's like, this is no joke. You really have to pay attention to what we're showing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I do work with a lot of white men mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. and their perspective is not malicious. It's just their perspective. Yeah. Totally. And, you know, I'm, I'm a white woman. So it's like, OK, how can we bring in other people? And it's growing. Yeah. You know, um, but the, the thing is, is that the audience is there for it, right. especially now. Right. And so that's really important. And I like working with new independent films and the diversity is there yeah. just because of what that is in short films and then like first time features. It's, sure. It's there. And that's exciting. Right. Um, what would you say are some of the big challenges, though, for programming uh, female filmmakers? Like I would assume just for example, it's well, maybe it's not. Maybe you're saying it's not. But I would assume it's harder to find just in general films that are directed by women because there's still. I mean, in the big imbalance. in the bigger level, like on the the bigger theatrical runs right. that we do. Um, so, for anyone who's unfamiliar, we show like first run theatrical, like mm-hmm. Captain Marvel, mm-hmm. Avengers. Well, now we do at Prospect Park, but we're showing Greta, um, which I would love to hear what you think about that. Um, <laughs> we talked about it. On yeah, the last okay. episode. I want to know your thoughts too. But continue. Um, so it can be difficult to get a film at, at, that at that level that warrants like a full run, mm-hmm. just because. I mean, this is the problem. Women aren't being given films with bigger budgets that have mm. bigger distributors releases. That said, we showed Karin Kusama's Destroyer for a really long time. We did really, really well with it. Um, I'm hoping that we'll get Little Woods. I mean, it's we're showing Captain Marvel. Mm. You know, these things are happening. We showed Free Solo, you know, co-directed by a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me in general, it's really just having the space. And yeah. now that we have like another theater that has seven screens, it gives a little bit more space for me to actually have a screen mm-hmm. to show the works. Cause I'll try and integrate it as much as I can into mm-hmm. our weekend early matinees, mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really not yeah. hard. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's almost like that thing when you put out the energy, it sure. comes back to you. Right. Well, what's your primary means of discovery? Would you say? Like, are people sending you films? Are you going to festivals? Festivals? I mean, I go to, I go to, obviously, I go to Tribeca Uh because it's right here. Uh, (laughs) But I'd love to go to TIFF in Toronto Mm -hmm. um, because they have a really good international independent program and they have a lot of really weird, great films that I don't think you'd ever, I, sometimes they don't even get releases. Yeah. And I really do love them. And, um, and so I kind of seek out like those kind of films directed by women um, and weird international horror films. Um, But it's just kind of like, have you seen this? Or I've developed relationship with distributors that they'll send me screeners Mm -hmm. or check this out or... Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a lot. I mean, there's I have like a file section in my email. It's like screeners and it's just so much. Yeah, There's like almost too much to watch. Mm -hmm. But I try and do like our staff screenings at Nighthawk or, you know, it's, it's just trying to watch as much as I can. But it's a combination of the relationships I've developed and then just me asking, yeah. you know, what should I right. say? So is that how you develop the themes? Because, you know, you're getting so much content coming in. Mm-hmm. Is that then when you say, okay, so then let's frame this particular series around X or do you have the theme and then you seek it? How does Sometimes, that process work? Well, when we do a, like a rep programming, so we would, sorry, when we do a rep programming like uh, midnights or brunches, mm-hmm. generally we do like to think of like what is, I mean, this is my curatorial background of yeah. like, 
what are the films, what are they saying to each other, and let's present them together. Some people mm. work differently, but that's kind of how I like to frame it. Yeah. You know, for instance, like the Women in Action, the Hero series, did start out with a big list of like, here are all the women hero in action movies. And mm. it's like, okay, but where where are the ones that we can pull out that actually make sense as a cohesive program? Right. So there's really no like, you know, then curatorials like, grad school they're like you can't be like I'm gonna do a cat show and then you like pick all the artists that have cats like we yeah, don't do yeah, that yeah. we don't do that um but you know a lot of that is um my other programmers John Woods and Chris King and then I kind of do a lot of one-offs or like mm. weekend screenings of like newer newer films mm-hmm. um but with the shorts festival there is no theme we just right. like the shorts to have conversations with each other yeah do you feel like it's a healthy industry that you're in right now Like uh, working for the kind of theater that you work for? Because I think about like, you know, if you work for AMC, first of all, I would hate you. I would be like, why do you only program garbage (laughs) Marvel movies that I don't want to see and whatever. But, you know, like people are still clearly coming out to your theaters. I guess you probably have the kind of audience that still appreciates the value of seeing things on the big screen yeah. as opposed to streaming everything. Yeah. But do you, do you worry about that? Do you worry? Like, do you feel like you're bleeding a little bit to streaming audiences or no. it's a healthy? I, I personally feel like it's healthy. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I'm, I'm on a lot of like art. I'm sorry. Uh, it's art house. Uh, but you know, film digests and uh-huh. email lists. And, you know, I could definitely see the older generation is freaking out. And I get concerned that we're like in the music industry in the 90s mm. where people like, don't know no, what to Napster. do with it. <laughs> right. Um, but I really feel like there is a symbiotic relationship to it. I mean, theaters like AMC might have to worry about it. Um, but I don't think places in New York or in other, I mean, there's nothing like seeing a, a movie. I mean, I've seen movies hundreds of times and then I see the movie there I'm like I never noticed that I never noticed that Mm -hmm. and to have that community experience I think we're lucky at Nighthawk because we have built up a reputation um, for many different kinds of audiences Mm -hmm. to come and have this experience and we pride ourselves that everything looks good it sounds good it's masked you know Mm -hmm. it's um, presented in the best way possible but you know I will I sometimes can't get to mm-hmm. a movie theater and ironically I actually watch a lot of new films on my laptop because that's yeah. the only way I can watch a screener yeah. with my name plastered in the middle of it you right. know that's not ideal yeah but you know I think places like Netflix are changing a little bit you know I don't sort of agree with this Steven Spielberg sort of model of they should only be at the gold globes or the Emmys yeah. or whatever that is you know from a person who has had like every opportunity yeah right um you know I mean Roma is an amazing film. It was released in 70 millimeter. We're playing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also was fine on my 60 inch television too. Yeah. You know? I mean, I just think it is what it is. Yeah. I mean, you can't fight these things that are not going away. No. Yeah. And at least streaming has become this amazing method of discovery for a lot of people. Yes. And if you discover a filmmaker you love by watching Netflix or whatever, and then you see one of their films is playing at a theater, then you can go see it at a theater Absolutely. and enjoy that experience that way. I mean, I will say like, for people who are listening who don't really go to movie theaters anymore, A, hopefully you live in a city where there are good independent theaters that are screening films like Nighthawk does, and B, the experience of going somewhere where you are not allowed to be on your phone and mm-hmm. you cannot yes. be on Twitter while you're watching the movie or be on Instagram while you're watching the movie, you will have a different experience watching that film yeah. than you can have at home because we 
do not give undivided attention to anything anymore. Yeah. And yeah. movie theaters are one of the only places left where we do that. Yeah. Absolutely. It's yeah. a true escape. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Completely exactly. Agree. I mean, we like to say, you know, it's nice to have a beer at your house, but sometimes <laughs> it's nice to go to a bar yes. and have a beer. Right. You know? Right. Exactly. <laughs> it's even nicer to sit with the beer and watch a movie. Absolutely. So, yeah. 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 I, I mean, agree. Hello. I Karen, I need to confront you about something else that <laughs> I read that you said. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Oh, shit. Is it about Vanderpump Rules? Nope. I okay. hope so. It's about E.T. Oh. <laughs> uh, and you Speaking said, of I will say that the right. first cinema experience I remember is walking to the car after seeing E.T. and saying to my mother, I will never see that movie again. And I didn't for over 30 years. So what Womp. was your problem with E.T., one of the best movies of all time? And what did you think when you rewatched it? First of all, I like to think of myself as a little critic. Like, I love yeah, that. There's some problems with yeah. this. <laughs> no, it was so, I was so sad. I must have been like six or something, but I was with my grandma and my mom, and I was uh, just like, fuck this. Yeah. That's the first it movie I ever really, cried yeah. It really made me sad. Yeah, I mean, it'll fuck you up. Yeah. Okay, so you didn't think it was a bad movie. No. You just, Oh you God! Had no. a hard time. I had a hard time <laughs> with it. It really made me feel things. Um, and I guess I watched it on a snow day, like two or oh so years God. ago. My husband put it on f- with for my kid, and I was like working, no. and I was like, I was like, you can't do this. <laughs> and I was still like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It really it holds up. It holds up, but you notice things when you're older, like, you know, the scientist who's trying to save him is actually like, all, you know, I didn't pick up on that nuance when I was a kid that he's dreamed of seeing an alien his whole life. Yeah. And, you know, that there's like that oh, element to it. But you're just like, Elliot's so cute and he's so sweet. And mm-hmm. yeah, I would argue oh. that Spielberg in some of his films, at least has a bit of the female gaze about him. That he is a very, or can be a very emotional, intuitive director, especially when he's telling stories about kids. Yes. And their mothers, Mm. which was a very important kind of relationship for him. Yes. Yeah. So despite his stupid comments about Netflix and the Oscars and whatever, I'm still pro Spielberg. But then also, don't you think that maybe that like nurturing, intuitive nature is just him being a like parent? You mean it's not female, it's parental? Yeah, yeah. Um. Well, do we want to fall down this rabbit hole? I mean, I don't know. It was just the first thing that popped in my head because, I, you know, I feel like maybe we do men a little bit of a disservice there when they have these emotions. Alana levels. loves to be. I like to be in the, the men's camp. No, not always. I'm just a firm believer that we can't preach to each other. We have to educate and preach outward, and also be inclusive because we preach inclusivity. Um. I'm well, just playing devil's advocate. You know me. Uh, so we've discussed on this podcast that there are some inherent qualities to what we would call the female gaze. Yes. And again, these labels are just labels. And it's just the way that we have of talking about things. So we can argue, I think, about what what use it is to call something the female gaze. Yeah, totally. But we're talking about a particular kind of gaze that has these qualities. Yeah. And I think Spielberg has them. Yeah. Are they inherently female? I mean, we've yeah. also talked about how all genders you... have all things exactly. in them, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, And that men can use the female gaze, and then there are things that we would say are more masculine that women also have. Again, it's all labels. Yeah. yeah. So, True. I don't know. So, Does that answer your question? Yes. <laughs> it's ongoing. So we're, we're always ongoing. in this hole. Yeah. <laughs> we always are in our hole. Um, 
Karen, what what's on your radar that listeners can look out for like this spring? Are there some exciting films coming out? Women filmmakers who are working on stuff we should be watching for? Give us the insider's mm. tip. Oh, the insiders. Give yeah, you're here for the inside talk. The scoop, <laughs> yeah. if you will. Exactly. All right. Well, it could um, be something that's happening at Nighthawk or just in general on your radar. Well, Nia DaCosta's Little Woods with Tessa Thompson that mm-hmm. opens in the middle of April. Okay. That's in, that Neon is releasing that. And what's that film about? That film is about two sisters in a small uh, fracking town um, who, again, like, you know, Tessa Thompson is um, her sister's white and they don't make a lot of Mm. she's adopted and their mom dies. And it's really about people in this poor community trying to deal with drug addiction Mm. and access to health care and going over to Canada. And Mm. she's a woman who has been in trouble for um, kind of burying uh, drugs, Mm. pills that she gets because her mother was sick Uh and she's trying to keep on the straight and narrow. But things happen and. it's it's just so wonderful and is a really nice snapshot of like rur- rural America mm-hmm. um, and kind of what those struggles are. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think it's brilliant. I think Nia is amazing. She's also rewriting uh, Sleeping with the Enemy. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I'm guessing that movie doesn't hold up. Although I did love it when I was a kid. I mean, it is so problematic, but it's so good. Right. Too. <laughs> Sometimes you you know? Gotta, I mean, classic Julia. It's so good. Her yeah. hair is so amazing in oh it. Always. But I mean, the fact that she like goes to a small town and then like some guy's like all creeping up on her. It's yeah. like, just give her some space. Right. Right, right, right. Um, <laughs> give her some space. <laughs> Damn. Also in Thirsty. April is um, Emma Tammy's The Wind, which okay. is like a horror noir western. Okay. And it's about a frontier like couple. Uh, it's period based. Uh, who live or like with the first people kind of near their land. Mm-hmm. Um, they've had a loss and this new couple comes next door and it's a really interesting um, story about what with, to see like what you're watching is actually happening mm. or if it's not happening. Mm, cool. um, but it's super, I mean, it has those great kind of like panoramic Western shots. The landscape's beautiful. It's very quiet. There's some creepy moments. Mm-hmm. It's great. Nice. Um, Rafiki. I was just going to ask love about Rafiki. Rafiki. It's so I'm good. I'm very excited to see it. That, Are you guys playing it? We're not. I've, I'm pushing for it, okay. but BAM is playing it. I, I will say, promote BAM. I didn't want to tell you, but I did just buy tickets yes. to the BAM screening. Go. It's yeah. really, really wonderful. So Rafiki mm-hmm. is a queer love story set in Kenya, correct? Yeah. And it's the movie that was banned? Yes. From being played in Kenya? Yes. Okay. Crazy. Yes. But it's going to be here. I lived in Kenya. Oh. Nairobi. Did you have a queer love story? I did not. <laughs> I was, uh, nope, I was seven. <laughs> queer zero, to, zero to seven years old. Okay. But yes, love. Rafiki. Yeah, amazing. And then um, Jennifer Kent's The Nightingale. She's the director of The Babadook. Oh. That comes out this summer. Oh my God, The Babadook. I, I watched The Babadook. The shit out of Terrifying. Me. I love horror, but it. I'm terrified. Like, I love to watch it, but I will not be able to sleep for weeks following, but I keep doing it to myself. Yeah. I mean, it, especially when you're a mom and you have a son yes <laughs> I'm like oh, right. yeah don't see things <laughs> yeah. don't tell me about it yeah it's okay. great great those so, are some hot th- tips those would be my, my hot tips I, <laughs> I I would also you know if you're into Mary Heron who directed um, I shot Andy Warhol in American Psycho she has a new film about uh, 
it's really not about Charles Manson. It's about the women he manipulated. Mm. And it flashes back to how they got involved with him in the murders and then in, in jail. So it's mm-hmm. kind of like a three-part Wait, what's piece. this called? It's called Charlie Says. Charlie Says. Okay. Um, that's so, right. That's screening at that. Tribeca, and that comes out in May. Okay. Cool. Awesome. And I'm, we may be having that in Iowa. Okay, trying, so. I'm trying to fit it in. Fingers Stay crossed. Stay tuned. Yeah. Stay tuned. Sometimes I have a weird thing with like Charles Manson stuff, but it was it's it's well done. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, before we let you go, will you do a quick round of the hot takes wheel with us? We're gonna. Yes. <laughs> you Get don't know what it is, the hot but I want you to wheel. agree anyway. So Go basically what our hot takes wheel is, it's yeah. this beautiful wheel. It has a bunch of topics that are um, crowdsourced or either from, you know, our brains. And you're going to spin it and whatever it falls on, we're just going to have a little quick chat on it. Our thoughts. Oh, my God. I know. Spin it hard. I have a lot to say about Michael Jackson. So maybe hopefully we'll be yeah. on that. Oh. Is, Can you read it? It says, is prostitute still okay or just sex worker? So oh, I, I, you right. mean the term. The term. Mm. Yeah. Do you, does anyone have a strong opinion or insight on this one? Is prostitute a bad word now? That's what the question is. Well, yeah, I don't know because I don't, I would still say prostitute. I don't know. You know what I think? And I don't know. I don't know. Okay, I have no idea. But like, for instance, there's a whole community on Instagram of sex workers that are open sex workers. They discuss it. It's very, um, it, it's a huge community. I follow a lot of them for no other reason than I like the clothes that they wear. But also they have very interesting stories yeah. and they refer to themselves as sex workers. I don't think they would ever refer to themselves as prostitutes. So is that exactly so there? But then what about the sex workers who are on the streets who don't know the term maybe yet or um, don't have access to a social media community. I don't know. Like, do they still consider? I don't know. Like, does in the street oh, community prostitute or that's street worker? Is mm-hmm. it social sex worker just to be like socially friendly? Right. Yeah. I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah. I think we need someone from that community or from that profession to weigh in. Yes. So if you listen and you have insight into that firsthand, please let us know. Yeah. Because I'm going to slide in some DMs maybe. Ask. For sure. I think that would be really interesting. Okay. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I guess the existence of the phrase sex worker has made me think that it's replacing prostitute. Mm. And it sounds less derogatory. Yeah. Prostitute has become derogatory. We use it as a slur sometimes. That's what Mm -hmm. I was thinking. Right. But I wonder if sex worker is someone who's more like engage themselves personally with right. the work rather than someone mm, who has somehow found themselves in a position to where they're they doing something to. they don't want to do. Yeah. Right. Um, like maybe sex worker is more of an empowering, like mm-hmm. for lack of a better term, this is my vocation. Yeah. Right, this is right, what right. I do. Right. This is my career yeah. versus, you know, a side hustle. <laughs> no, but no, like, versus you know, like maybe you just had like, no other means to yes. an end, and that's what got it, got yeah. it, got it, got it. Where you, where you were. By the way, I just saw Clute for the first time. I also screamed at Bam. Oh my God! I Jane Fonda won is. Best Actress for this movie mm-hmm. around 1970, mm-hmm. early 70s, mm-hmm. and Donald Sutherland is in it. But she plays a. You're having a Donald Sutherland time. Yes, because he's also in Buffy. Yeah. Um, (laughs) He was young and cute in Clue, which I had never seen him be before. Young and cute. Young and cute. I love him. Um, What was I going to say? The HBO documentary on Jane Fonda is pretty amazing in five acts. Uh Yeah. In a way that I thought would annoy me because it's all kind of structured around her relationships with men. Yes. Um, but those did represent very distinct chapters in mm-hmm. her life. And kind of self-admittedly, she has 
she chameleoned herself around these men through a lot of her life. Mm. And it's taken her a long time to kind of find herself independent of the man that mm-hmm. she was with, which talks about it was fascinating. Yeah. I had a wonderful year once where I saw her twice. Ooh. And like just like out on in the, the street. street. Yeah. No. Out in the wild. No. <laughs> I actually, I went to the, a White House correspondence dinner. Okay. Um, oh. And she was there and she was like in all sequence. <gasps> she was so amazing. I like my heart stopped. And then um, I saw her at the Tribeca Film Festival that year, too, at the opening night. And I was just like, hello, mm. I love you. I mean, my God. Yeah. yeah. She's kind of everything. <laughs> yeah. She is everything. And Jane Fonda in Barefoot in the Park is like the cutest, most wonderful person in the world. And she remains so. I even like her monster in law. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> she can the do other end of the spectrum. She can, she can do her own. Less cute, but definitely badass. <laughs> yeah, for yeah. sure. You just did a thing with your headphone and your hair came out. My hair you crazy? have like an alfalfa thing. No, I'm into oh. it. Keep it. You have to keep it you forever have now. You have, you have the swoop. Yeah. <laughs> Are you Johnny Depp? Is yeah. Baby? It's me. Okay. Karen, where can people follow you, find you? Give us the socials. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Um, well, on Twitter, um, I guess I should say my name is spelled weird. So yes. it's C- my hair. C-A-R-Y-N underscore C-O-L-E-M-A-N. That's me on Twitter. Um, on Instagram, um, my Instagram's private because it's pictures of my kids. But Ooh, you us. can go to uh, Future of Film is Female. And that's... Oh, which, by the way, is on yes. your sweater right now. Yes. She has an incredible sweater. It says the future of film is female. And we Lingua didn't even Franca. talk about that, by the way. I have shirts for you guys, too. Amazing. Oh, yes. Uh, but quickly, tell people yeah. about that, because that's actually how I discovered you, as I went to yes. a film that you curated as part of that. Which one, which one did you go to? I went to Clara's Ghost. Okay. Um, so Future Film is Female um, sprung out of the Shorts Festival. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, like in 2017, I was like, oh, I'm going to make these shirts that are like the 70s, the future is female Sick. to wear during the festival. And then, of course, I was running a film festival, so I didn't have time to do that. Um, <laughs> so after the dust kind of settled from that, I made I did a campaign um, where all the proceeds from the T-shirt sales would benefit female filmmakers making a short film at any stage of production. So it can be pre-production, so research, paying your craft services, or post. Um, And so in the past year, we've been able to fund five films, um, and I'm in the process now of figuring out the next round of funding, and we've partnered with um, Herd City. They're a post-production sound mixing company, um, and they work with me on the Shorts Festival, but so much of the work that needs to get done in short films is post work, post color and post sound. So they're offering their services to films that I show to them like this might be worth mm. this. And they're like, yes, great. Gloria Petros- Petroski is like um, the head of that. And she really wants to help women filmmakers. Mm. And then um, about a year ago, um, Rajendra Roy, who's the chief curator of film at MoMA, was like, I really want to, we've worked together before, um, just on some other things at Nighthawk, and he was like, I want you to do something here. I kind of want to like have some fresh voices in, and I'm like, well, I just did this campaign. What about this? This is an abbreviated story. And then he goes, (laughs) well, how about instead of just one, we make these beats? Mm -hmm. So it's not just like a one and done, like, but it shows a commitment that you have, that MoMA has, 
to these. And then the work that you're doing at Nighthawk will be like continuous heartbeats throughout this whole thing. So that's a screening series that we do um, somewhat quarterly. Mm -hmm. Um, We've done two. So it's um, feature films directed by women, uh, usually their debut or follow-up feature. Uh, Short films precede each feature film. Mm -hmm. Um, And then... The first year I invited No Budge, which is an online screening platform for independent films, mostly short films that Kentucker Oddly runs. And he does such a really good job of being inclusive with women directors. Mm -hmm. And so it was important for me to have like a man there Mm -hmm. who's like just doing the right thing because it's yeah. the thing it's just <laughs> yeah. a thing right um and i work with him a lot at nighthawk and he's amazing and then this past iteration that we had that clara's ghost was in um was the eye slicer and um which is dan schoenbrunn and vanessa mcdonald and this is kind of this like weird punk rock tv variety mm-hmm. show um and their new season is coming out and so they had a women directed episode of a series of shorts that was guest curated by three women directors so we had that um, so that's going to keep continuing okay. um, to kind of because our aim with the series is to be like, OK, these women are making their first and second features. Uh-huh. What next? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and so it's been nice. Like we booked a previous screening of Little Woods um, and then it's like Nia DaCosta's directing Candyman. That's what we're talking about. Right. You know, where totally. where is this, where's the next step? Where's totally. the next access? Right. And also, I think people might not realize how important it is to give those opportunities for uh, women to make short films because yes. short films is often how filmmakers careers start yeah. you make a short it goes to festivals people see it and then maybe when you're trying to get money together for a feature that's your proof of concept right. or it's your real basically right. if you can make a good short you can make a good feature because right. exactly. making good shorts that are like 10 12 minutes or that's it's really hard. hard yeah it's really hard and especially if it's a comedy forget it yeah right. like very rare yeah the budget <laughs> might be smaller but all yeah. of the other work is the same, if not more, than doing a feature. Yeah. Oh. So, future female, the future of film <laughs> is female dot com is where you'll find like who we funded, Amazing. news, how you can submit. I've just Film Freeways letting me use their like platform to accept submissions. Okay. Um, cool. To kind of see what we're up to, but great. Yeah. Okay. That's and then every other day of the week, you can find Karen at Nighthawk. Yes. Maybe she'll even serve you a beer when she wants to <laughs> remind herself of Don't her humble Don't play Pictionary because <laughs> it'll piss Jesse off. <laughs> right. I'm not above it. I will serve you a drink <laughs> yeah. if I need to. Excellent. Okay. And we, Alana, are... At Female Gaze Pod on Twitter and also Instagram. Just a reminder that we love hearing from you guys, so keep giving us your hot takes because we want to put those on the wheel yeah oh and karen since you did tease it are you keeping or leaving michael jackson's music oh yeah it's a weird thing because my four-year-old son has become obsessed with him Uh, right at the peak moment of this and so it's a debate okay we're just kind of we're we're trying to transition transition him to prince Okay, that's good. Cute. You know, great it's solution. Cute. Cute. Love yes. that. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. That is a good life hack. Guys. Yeah, there you go. Life that's, hack. That's yeah. what we're trying to do. I don't think Jackson 5 is out. Okay, that's fair. Don't but, punish them all. But, yeah, um, yeah not yeah. right now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Sore. <laughs> it's a little all right, sore. guys. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Pump that prince. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.